You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and human who's made a lot of mistakes, and hopefully someone who's learned from some of those mistakes. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, but I've never made a single mistake in my entire life. <laughs> Rafer. In, each, in each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. As usual, a disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real film critics, and in my case, a real human. Rafer clearly is not. He is a robot. <laughs> okay, Kristen, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, yes, let's do it. We'll start with this letter from Lee. Lee says, I've been vigilant about COVID-19 for over seven months now. That means not having anyone over, even though I'm single and lonely. It means working hour after hour in my little apartment because it would be irresponsible to work in coffee shops. It means only going grocery shopping once every two weeks to limit my time around others. And of course, it means always wearing a mask, meeting outside, and keeping my distance on the rare occasions I see friends. I am starting to reach my breaking point. I miss hugging my friends. I miss dating. I miss sex. I have come to resent Zoom meeting calls. And with the weather getting colder, my rare outdoor meetups with friends are becoming even more rare. I know it's important to take this virus seriously for the greater good, and I get so angry when I see how reckless a lot of people, including politicians, are about it. But it's getting harder and harder to do the right thing. Can you help me stay the course? Boy, that's a... that's... I I relate. I too resent Zoom calls. I know that this whole idea of the weather getting colder, you know, it's going to make everything harder. Politicians, I don't know what politicians you're referring to. Uh, reckless politicians. <laughs> has, some, has someone has someone giving mixed messages out there? I don't know. I, I, I do feel like I said this four months ago, but I'm hitting my breaking point too. Um, <laughs> you know, just the other day, you know, someone in my building uh, asked that we wear masks in the hallways, which we haven't done uh, in the past. And I just and I, I, you know, I just thought, oh, my God, will you give me a break? But then, of course, I thought, well, you know, wait a minute. This person's raising a totally valid issue and this person's uh, worried about their health. And we're all here in a small building. And of course, of course, I should be wearing a mask uh, in the hallways, too. We probably should have been doing that 
you know, before this, it gets very hard to remember that everyone's got their own threshold on what they consider to be risky and non-risky. And you just have to kind of a little bit roll with the punches and you do have to stay your own course. But boy, I, I, I empathize. It's hard. Yeah, it is really hard. And especially if you haven't had any hugging. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Totally. But I am going to give you just a couple of tips that I think might help. As far as seeing people as the weather gets colder, there are certain outdoor activities you might be able to do. Um, I'm not sure if you have access to, you know, snowshoeing or cross-country skiing or if there's other outdoor activities or if there are even places nearby that have outdoor fire pits you can go to in the wintertime. That way you wouldn't freeze to death if you met up, you know, for a drink at night or coffee or whatnot. And... Um, when you say goodbye to your friends, I am going to recommend something here that apologies if you're a public health official and don't agree with this advice. But recently, my friends and I, when we say goodbye to each other, we've begun doing that thing. You know that dance move, Rafer, where you jump in the air and you land back to back with your arms crossed? <laughs> That's classic hip hop, what you're talking about there. That's yes, B-boy. Yes. That's B-boy style. So exactly. So even though it's not a hug, it makes me feel a little bit better than not touching at all. We're not breathing in each other's faces. Yeah, your, your mouths are phasing in different directions. That's good. Yeah. That's something. And then we also feel the adrenaline of being like professional dancers in our own minds for three <laughs> seconds. Um, yeah. So there's that too. And of course, you know, as much as you resent those Zoom calls, hopefully find other ways to digitally meet up with people, whether it's playing Minecraft on a shared server or some other video game or doing the Netflix chat room, which we've mentioned on the show before. Totally. Finally, do not be afraid to seek out mental health support if you feel you need it. Lee and everyone else listening, I'm talking to all of you. If you're in the U.S., the National Alliance on Mental Health has a 24-hour helpline. And outside the U.S., I know there are lots of other free helplines. Well, uh, yeah, those are that's all that's all very good advice. So, well, tell me this, uh, Kristen Crazy Legs Minzer, um, <laughs> what is your what is your recommendation? <laughs> Crazy Legs is that my new like b-boy name? That should just going to be that or maybe uh, uh, OG Cricket or um, I don't know. We'll have to think of something for you. <laughs> or, Atomic Minzer. I don't know. We'll think of something. <laughs> Atomic Minzer. I love it. All right. Well, Lee, I am going to prescribe a movie for you today that came out five years ago. It is called The Martian. Oh, sure. It is based on the novel by Andy Weir, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Matt Damon. It tells the story of astronaut Mark Watney and his poor, sad, lone struggle to survive on Mars <laughs> after he's yeah. presumed dead and all of his fellow astronauts just fly away and he they leave him there. Um, now, most of the story is really about how does Mark stay alive? How can Mark get home safely? And we see him doing all sorts of innovative things to grow food on Mars, to stay warm on Mars, to get enough water on Mars. But... Just as important as all of those survival techniques are all the techniques he uses to maintain his sanity. These techniques include music and a positive attitude. He does things with a zero and a one that anybody who knows about computers knows yeah. what that means. And before you know <laughs> it, he has a way to talk with people on Earth. Here's a clip. Right. Let's do the math. Our service mission here was supposed to last... 31 souls. For redundancy, they send 68 souls worth of food. That's for six people. So for just me, that's going to last 300 souls, which I figure I can stretch to 400 if I ration. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. 
Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. I liked this movie um, a lot, and um, my kids also liked it. My kids got a real kick out of it. It was one of the first movies, uh, kind of grown-up movies, I showed my kids, and they were very um, shocked and titillated by um, the poop. Oh, the, the potatoes! And, uh, yeah, yes, uh, he, they liked that a lot. Um, but yeah, this is this is a this is a, a good uh, a, a good movie one one man show for Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, and here is why I'm prescribing it because Lee, like Mark. You, too, can rely on your positive attitude to stay sane. You can rely on your communication skills to feel less alone. You can find ways to see people in a way Mark would absolutely kill for. And added bonus, by continuing to follow public health orders, you can be seen as a hero like Mark, but a hero who <laughs> saves lives that aren't even your own. Mark was just saving his own freaking life. You are going to save countless other lives if you stay the course every single day you can come home and give yourself a high five like this and say yes i am a hero i saved lives today i am better than an astronaut i did it i did it and there are so many people out there like me who are going to thank you i have a dozen friends and family members who've had covid so far one of my friend's moms died last week of covid and lee people like you are helping to keep people alive. So, Lee, please stay the course for those of us who have lost people, for those of us who've had sick friends and family, and just know that you are a hero and you don't have to be a hero alone. There are so many other people out there who are cheering for you and who will be with you from a distance and, you know, maybe even throw their backs up against you also in a little dance move. I love it. I love it. That's really true. It's one thing I I am always very puzzled about with the whole mask thing is um, it's for others. It's not for yes. you. It's for yes. others. I, I don't yeah. I don't under, I don't get that anyway. My God, if I knew somebody's blood was on my hands, if somebody's like grandma or aunt died because of me. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um, it's a real it's it's baffling. Um, Ugh, well, I think that's a great recommendation. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, like I say, I think that movie might possibly be. I can't remember this off the top of my head. That movie might be rated R. But if it is rated R, it is for language or whatever the rating is. It's really essentially. You showed a, it to your nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, it's it's essentially like a G-rated film with a little action and some and a, a couple of adult, you know, instances of adult cursing and some poop. And maybe there's something with marijuana or something, or there's a little bit of drug reference of some sort. I can't remember. Maybe it's too scary for some kids. I'm not sure. Maybe it is. It gets a little intense here and there. But I did. I showed it to two very young children, and um, and they they loved it a lot. Um, just in case there are any people out there wondering, because I know to me, I think it's so hard to try and find a family film that can please grownups and kids alike. And I would say that's um, that's a pretty good one. So um, so good choice, Kristen. Thank you, thank you. And what about you, Rafer? What did you choose? Well. This might sound like a little bit of a stretch, but I chose uh, a movie from just earlier this year, from just before the pandemic hit us, one of the last films to play in theaters. I chose The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Oh, yes. The, uh, I still haven't seen it, but it just hit streaming services, I think, in the last month or so, right? That's right. It's been it's been on streaming for a little while now. Yeah. And um like I say, this might sound like a bit of a stretch, but but hear me out. It's uh, it's it's a it's a twist on the Invisible Man story, but kind of an interesting one. It's about a woman named Cecilia, played by Elizabeth Moss, and she's the girlfriend of this brilliant, extremely wealthy inventor named Adrian Griffin, 
who we don't see much of at the beginning of the film. Uh, we just know that he's a controlling and physically abusive monster of a guy. And one night, Cecilia escapes from this gorgeous high, high security mansion slash compound that this guy has built. She escapes successfully. Two weeks later, Adrian kills himself. Only, of course, he didn't. And Celia knows it. We're pretty sure we know it. The thing is, she can't prove it. Here's a clip. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. It can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? I'm going to say one thing uh, up front. I personally was not that crazy about this movie, even though I liked the director, uh, Lee Winnell, a lot. And I'd, I'd seen his film Upgrade from a couple of years ago, which is one of my favorite films of the last few years. And I guess I was expecting something a little more action-y. Um, and so maybe I went into it with the wrong mindset. To me, it was a little bit slow, but I'm just going to say I I'm like the only person in America who felt that way. People just loved this movie. Everyone I know who's seen it loved it. Every critic loved it. I was just out at a... Uh, a theater doing a story for the paper about um, theaters reopening and interviewing random people and what you know talking to some guy and he said you know the last movie I saw was The Invisible Man and boy I loved that and I just thought there's <laughs> another guy who loved The Invisible Man but one thing I did like about it and the reason I'm recommending this is because of the Elizabeth Moss character Cecilia she's the ultimate example of someone who seems crazy. Everyone thinks she's insane because she's saying, my boyfriend's invisible. And she turns <laughs> out to be right. Um, you know, her, 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 her theory's nonsense. It's, it's obviously impossible. She has no proof. She can't prove it. She can't point to him. Um, she hasn't figured out, you know, for much of the film, she can't figure out any way to show him or make him become visible. She just knows that she's right. And so that's what I want to say to our listener, Lee. You seem like you're the crazy one. You're looking around because people aren't wearing masks. They aren't social distancing. They're telling you the scientists are idiots. They're telling you the only reason that we have more cases is because we're doing more testing, which is one of my favorite lines that people pull out. Oh, the, the only reason we have more cases is because we have more cases. Um, so people are telling you that everything's fine, but you know you're right. The world is against you. They think you're the crazy one, but you know that you're right. And of course, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that in the end, Elizabeth Moss turns out to be right. Obviously, she was right the whole time and someone is going to believe her. So I just want to say, even though it may seem like the world is against you and um, you know people think you're nuts, we here at Movie Therapy, all two of us, me and Kristen, <laughs> we support you, Lee. Stay the course. Don't give up. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lee. You're a hero and we believe you. <laughs> so once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, the Invisible Man. Rafer, I love the angle you went in with your prescription. And from me, the Martian. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a huge thanks to everyone who's been giving us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. 
But I guess we have to apologize to a listener named Sweet Checks, who only gave us three stars. And Sweet Checks wrote, good, but sexy crazy. It is pretty good, but it is so sexy. And I do not like that. But it is the only thing that I can do. <laughs> what does what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Are, I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry that we're so sexy. We can't help it. Kristen can't help it. We're just so sexy. We're just very, very sexy. We wake up this way. Look, sweet checks. <laughs> just admit it. You're sexy too. If we put one more e in that name, it would be sweet cheeks. Oh, Rafer, now, stop it. it. That's too sexy. Now, wouldn't it? Stop it. See, Ooh, that, that's okay. what we're talking about, Rafer. Too sexy. <laughs> too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who wants a happy wedding without worrying about her estranged mom. We are back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, this one comes from Lily. I think you should read this one. Yes, I will. Lily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am 23 years old and my mother and I are estranged. I won't get into the nitty gritty, but I made the decision back in 2018 to cut ties with her and checked myself into therapy. Although I know I made the right decision and put in the work to get better, it still hurts from time to time. I'm recently engaged and wedding planning has made the absence of a mother figure ever present. I have my big sister and my fiance's mother helping to fill her role, and I am so grateful. Despite this, I still feel robbed. Most media I consume has the child forgiving the abusive parent and inviting them back into their lives. It really bums me out to see this, and it's just not in the cards for me. Are there any movies where the child does not forgive their parent and they still turn out okay? Wow. That's a tall order. Uh, you know, the estrangement between parent and child. That's a tough thing. Uh, yeah. This has a lot going on, this letter, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, you know, the first thing the first thing to say is to Lily, I'm glad to hear that you are in therapy. I'm glad to hear that you're not just relying on me and Kristen. Yes. It's, good that, it's good that you're in actual therapy. I'm sure that's very important. And, you know, um, it's one of those things where that's just going to have to be your call. You're really you're really going to have to rely on yourself and decide for yourself whether or not you are doing the right thing. It's a big decision. I can't tell you whether you, you're making the right move or the wrong move. That is really that is really one of those things where only you will know. Yeah. Kristen, do you agree? Uh, yeah, only you can make that decision. But I'm going to speak for somebody who cut off a parent myself. I cut off my dad when I was 12. I saw him two other times after that. And um, I think the last time I saw him, I must have been 18. And I have not seen him since. And my life is fantastic. I am so happy because he didn't deserve to have me in his life. He didn't treat me right. What he did to me did not make him worthy to be in the same room as me. And, you know, I I don't know, Lily, if you've gotten to that point yet where you can start seeing things that way. It sounds like you're still maybe in a different uh, stage of the Kubler-Ross morning. But it is yeah. great to get to that point of just... I accept it and fuck you. <laughs> I I really hope you get to that point because Lily, you are wonderful and it is a gift to be in your life. And if your mom doesn't treat you like a gift, she doesn't deserve you. But again, you have to do what Rafer says and make that decision for yourself. Don't do it just because I did it, but do it because you actually 
want to. Well, uh, you know, Kristen, I, w- I wasn't sure if you were going to uh, bring up um, some of your own experiences in this uh, in this field, but I'm glad you did, and I think that's um, I think that's instructive, and I think it's I think it all boils down to a question of um, of boundaries, I guess. And the movie I chose has a lot to do with this idea of boundaries. Um, it's a movie from 2009 that that many people might remember. It's called Precious. Uh, the one by Lee Daniels that made a huge splash when it came out. It's a pretty intense movie. I think I should give people fair warning. It's about a teenage girl named Precious uh, and her mother. They're living in Harlem in the late 1980s, uh, and Precious is uh, not doing that well. She is illiterate. She is barely functioning in the world. Um, The more we learn about her, the more horrifying her story becomes. Her father has raped her uh, and impregnated her twice Her mother, Mary Lee, has also physically abused her and even sexually abused her. But a couple rays of light come into her life when she attends a new school, kind of an alternative school. There's a teacher uh, with the unusual name of Blue Rain, played by Paula Patton. Uh, She starts teaching her to read. Uh, Precious also gets a new social worker named Ms. Weiss, played by a stunningly good Mariah Carey. Here's a clip. I ain't got nothing to write today. I remember you once told me You never really got to tell your story. I'm dying, Miss Rain. If not for yourself and for the people who love you. Nobody loved me. People do love you, Precious. Please don't lie to me, Miss Rain. Love ain't done nothing for me. Love beat me. Raped me. Call me an animal. Make me feel worthless. That wasn't love, Precious. Your baby loves you. I love you. Rafer, this is a movie about boundaries. That is so true. When I was watching it at the time, I I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just crying through the whole thing and admiring all the acting. Um, But you're right. It is a movie about boundaries as well. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, well, and you're and first of all, you're right. I mean, the the acting sort of across the board is is just electrifying. There's this was the movie that uh, introduced us all to Gabrielle Sidibe, who was a total unknown at the time. She plays Precious. Paula Patton is great. Uh, uh, again, Mariah Carey, who you wouldn't think could play this very naturalistic kind of um, no makeup, very unglamorous role. She's a social worker, you know, uh, just, a, just a very regular person. Um, and then as the mother, this horrible mother figure, Monique, who was a comedian and who won the Oscar for her performance as the mom. And so I, I'm spoiling the ending a little bit here because you have asked for a movie where the parents, the parent and the child do not, um, you know, come together and live happily ever after. But I guess I just do want to say the the ending of this film, that what finally does happen between Precious and her mother is so powerful. It's it, it really is the climax of the movie. And it and it is about Precious learning about the idea of boundaries. And that's not just some kind of social nicety. She learns how to draw these boundaries and then it's a question of, like Kristen was saying, it's a question of dignity and a demand for respect and fair treatment and kindness and civility. And and if you can't give that to me, then I am drawing this boundary right here. So again, you know, 
Lily, I, I don't want to be the guy who advocates writing a parent out of your life. Again, that is your decision. But if you want a movie that encourages you to draw those boundaries around yourself and take control of your life, I think this is it. Great recommendation, Rafer. Very good one. And in the end, thank you. not to spoil it, you're, you're really cheering for her to take care of herself. Who cares about her oh, mom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Boy, that's quite a character. Yes. Uh, so, Kristen, how about you? What are you recommending? I went for something that may also make Lily cry, but with joy, because I am recommending (laughs) a reality TV show called Say I Do on Netflix. I know darn well you've never seen this show, Rafer. I'm not even going to ask if you have. Of course I've never seen this show. (laughs) It is a reality show about couples getting married. It uh, stars event designer Jeremiah Brent, fashion designer Ty Wynn, and chef Gabrielle Bartaccini. Together, they design a custom wedding for a different couple in each episode. But the big catch is that only one half of the couple knows they're in a wedding planning team. Uh, The other half of the couple thinks they're part of a documentary film crew just doing a straightforward story about modern love. The couples (laughs) include Marcus and Tiffany, who want a wedding do-over after a year of loss. Maddie and Melvin, a senior citizen couple who show us how beautiful love can be at any age. And the couple I really want you to focus on, Lily, is Randy and Skylar, one of whom is estranged from his family. Here's a clip. Today, we take ourselves away from our routine daily living to witness a unique moment. Tiffany definitely deserves a wedding of her dreams. It would be great to surprise her. No! (laughs) So you know what you're going to say? No. It was just being in the moment. Will you marry me and make me the happiest man? How do you feel about getting married at the end of the week? We're doing this this weekend. Are you kidding me? Our friends and family, co-workers are all coming. Slight panic attack, but we'll work. <laughs> now, Kristen, you know that I scoff at reality TV. I but, know. Um, but you know what? The thing about reality TV is, you know, at its best, it really does give you, like, sort of real access to just kind of random people out there, random real people. And you do kind of get to know their stories. And it really, it, sometimes, it, it, I have to admit, it, it can be very moving and very affecting. Yes. And this one definitely comes in with heart. It's not one of those shows where I'm not here to make friends and then they backstab each other. It's not that kind of show. It's the kind of show very much like Queer Eye. As a matter of fact, um, I sometimes wonder if this was trying to be Queer Eye 2.0 because uh, it, ah. it does have a lot of that Queer Eye feeling. But listen, here's why I'm recommending it to Lily. Lily... The show features all sorts of couples, gay couples, straight couples, older couples, younger couples, formerly incarcerated couples, one where the wife-to-be is heavily pregnant, couples who met online, couples who met in kindergarten, couples of all races. Wow. And hopefully it will show you, Lily, that there's no such thing as one perfect kind of wedding day, one perfect kind of family, or one perfect kind of couple. The weddings you see in movies with dad walking the bride down the aisle and mom kissing the groom's cheek during the mother-son dance, uh, all those weddings in the movies where the mom goes wedding dress shopping with you, all those things that you see in the movies, Lily, those are not typical Those are in the movies or they're in 1950. That is not the way most weddings are. (laughs) And you know what? The other 99% of weddings look a lot more like the ones on Say I Do, minus the high budget and the reality TV crew. But 
I want you to focus on that. Watch this. Look at Randy and Skylar. Look at how happy they are to not have to deal with the baggage of a toxic mom who is in the mix. They love each other and they're having the kind of day that's about them and about no one else. I like that idea. I think that's I think that's a really nice idea. And very that's a very um, that's a very supportive idea, Kristen. I think that's a great recommendation. Wow, you just said a reality TV show is a great recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I just recorded that so I can play it back to you later. <laughs> you have proof. All right, listen. Before we recap, though, Kristen, one more time, will you do your impression of the ruthless reality TV show contestant? I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's more like, bitch, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> we could end every podcast with you doing a different version of that. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. So just to recap, from Kristen, Netflix's Say I Do, and from me, Precious. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferAndKristen.com, and fill out the contact form there. You do not have to use your real name. Uh, and if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That is Facebook.com slash groups slash RaferAndKristen. It is a completely friendly, enjoyable zone. Everyone's nice. I promise you, no one will troll you on that group. They are there to make friends. They totally are. <laughs> when we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Rafer, take it away. All right. This letter comes from Chrissy. Chrissy says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my girlfriend and I loved the Netflix Mission to Mars soap opera Away, starring Hilary Swank and Josh Charles. It had all the unrequited love, extramarital affairs, and teens getting up to no good that she loves, plus all the zero-gravity spacewalks and interstellar survival that I love. Sadly, Netflix recently announced that they won't be renewing the show. And now we're wondering, are there other space travel soap operas out there? What should we watch next? Mm. Rafer, did you watch Away? I didn't watch Away. It was it was canceled before I was even aware of it. <laughs> I, 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 I remember reading the headlines saying, oh, my God, they've canceled Away. And I was and I kind of thought, like, what what is Away? I've, where, I, I, miss, I completely missed this. Uh, yeah, which is too bad. I like Hillary Swank. I like Josh Charles. Kind of an, an, an odd pairing, but um, intriguing. Uh, but I heard that people really liked it. And, you know, it sounds like it, maybe it was one of these brilliant but canceled shows. Yeah. I mean, uh, my husband and I watched all of it in the course of like three days because my husband is wow. super into outer space shows. He loves all that stuff. Oh, okay. And you know me, I like I like a good soap opera. So it kind of totally. I guess I'm the Chrissy in this situation, and my <laughs> husband is the girlfriend in this situation because you know my husband's like, ooh, look how they're harvesting water from the cooling system, and I'm like, right. what? She's <laughs> cheating on her husband with who? <laughs> I will say this: the series does have kind of a slow start, but once you get into it, it's like, oh. Oh, this is pretty fun for everybody. Or by everybody, I mean those two categories of people. Yeah. Right. So, Chrissy, I can <laughs> right. totally see uh, why this worked in your household. And we're going to do our best to come up with some some sort of substitute for you now that the show has been canceled. Rafer, what did you come up with? Well, I went back a little bit in history. I don't know if this will totally fit the bill here, but I thought I'd go kind of far back to one of the classics, uh, a movie that we haven't talked about yet. It's from way back in ye olde 1956. It is Forbidden Planet, 
which is one of the great sci-fi classics of all time. Do you know this film, Kristen? I am ashamed to say I've known about it almost my entire life, and I have never seen it. I've never seen it. I feel like it's one of those dark spots on my film critic credentials. Like, sorry, I haven't seen it. That's fine. But we, we all we all have them. And I think you're not alone. I think a lot of people have not seen Forbidden Planet. So, you know, this is not quite as early as, let's say, Flash Gordon, if we're talking about, you know, space operas. But this is pretty early on. It's the story of three astronauts who travel to the planet Altair 5, uh, excuse me, Altair 4, I think it is, uh, where they're going to check out what happened to the previous human expedition. And when they get there, things seem a little funny. Uh, There's a guy named Dr. Morbius who's running everything, and he's using this amazing technology that we don't have back on Earth. But where is everybody else? What happened to all the other people that were here? And the only other person who seems to be around is his daughter, Altera who shows up in a very, very short skirt, and she's very happy to see another person besides her father. Here's a clip. Alta, I specifically asked you not to join us for lunch. But father, lunch is over. I'm sure you never said a word about not coming in for coffee. Well, did you or did you? Uh, this is uh, Commander Adams, Dr. Ostro, and uh, Lieutenant uh, Farmer, my daughter. How do you do? We so terribly wanted to meet a young man, and now three of them at once. That's very kind of you. You're lovely, Doctor. <laughs> of course, the two end ones are unbelievable. Could this end one get you some coffee? Oh, I'm quite able to get it, thank you. Of course, you uh, must make allowances for my daughter, gentlemen. She's uh, never known any human being except her father. Oh, Rafer. Are you sure this isn't Barbarella? <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's sort it's sort of it sort of was the Barbarella of 1956. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, I really just have to say, I, I think this is one of those science fiction movies that you know it looks so 50s um, from today's viewpoint, and of course, the special effects are not going to match the kind of thing that we have today. Um, you know, and so I think a lot of people feel like it looks kind of creaky and dated or a little campy, and people tend to avoid it. Um, but I'll just tell you, I, I think this is. Such a great, great movie. It's a real masterpiece. Um, and, and, and it's got everything you want. It comes right at the peak of the 1950s. So you've got space travel and, you know, alien intelligence and, uh, Freudian psychology, which was sort of <laughs> new back then. It was almost as new as space travel was. Um, this uh, just the sets are great. Just these great kind of mid-century modern, you know, coffee tables and lamps that are somehow in this crazy planet. Um, and it's got one of the very first uh, electronic film scores, I think, that we've ever seen. I'm not sure if it was actually the very first, but it's certainly one of the first by um, Lewis and B.B. Barron. They were a husband and wife team. Um, and they use all these weird noises and hums and scratches that kind of double as music, but are also the sound effects. It's very mm. unusual. Um, and then you've got this, like, great... <laughs> Um, you know, three guys and the sexy girl and the, you know, who's the girl going to fall for? And there's one guy who's kind of playing a little dirty pool when he's trying to get the girl. And <laughs> but, yeah, and it's just, it's just awesome. Um, you know, the lead guy is Leslie Nielsen from Airplane. Oh so, my gosh. you know, oh yeah, it's just, and it's also one of the first, it's the first film to feature, uh, Robbie the robot, you know, who's probably the most famous movie robot of all time. Um, so it's great. It's sophisticated. It's smart. It's inventive. It's weird, uh, kind of sexy and fun. And uh, I think as a, as a space opera, uh, you could do a lot worse than Forbidden Planet. 
Nice. Nice. And how about you, Kristen? What did you choose? I'm guessing you chose something a little more modern, which might be a good way to go. I did. It's modern, but it's inspired by TV from an earlier era. I am recommending the TV series The Orville, which originated in 2017. There are currently two seasons out. Season three is coming to Hulu in 2021. Um, Do you know The Orville, Rafer? I do not know this at all. Oh, I think you would love it. It's an outer space comedy, drama, okay. uh, with some soap opera elements inspired by the original Star Trek oh. and Star Trek Next Generation. It simultaneously kind of pays tribute to both of those and also kind of makes fun of them at the same time. Okay. It stars Seth MacFarlane, oh. who's also the creator. I like Seth MacFarlane. Oh, you'll love this then. Uh, he stars as Captain Ed Mercer. Mercer was an up-and-coming officer on the fast track to commanding his own heavy cruiser, space cruiser, I should make clear, yes. by age 40. But after catching his wife, Kelly, in the act of adultery with an alien, (laughs) Mercer fell into a depression. His performance went down the toilet. Classic. And yeah, it it was bad. It was bad. Who knew what was going to happen to him? But eventually, he is informed that the Orville, which is kind of a mid-level exploratory spaceship, they need a new commanding officer. They say he's the man for the job. He starts the job. His new crew members are mostly misfits, but they're competent and have good hearts. That is, with the exception of one crew member who happens to be his ex-wife, Kelly. Here's a clip. Were you just trying to shut the doors? No, I was not. I cannot believe you slept with that guy. I really can't. Here we go. Is me apologizing for the 900th time somehow going to make a difference? Did you hear what he said just now? He goes, he goes, I am entitled to my feelings and the space to express them. My God, thank you for lighting me on fire and then giving me permission to be in pain. What do you want to do, Ed? Is is there anything to do? Is there another forensic archaeologist specializing in ancient Lepovian pottery in the star system who you haven't had sex with? No, then I'll be fine. Yeah, you seem fine. Oh, this sounds really good. This sounds like what Space Force wanted to be. Yes. And you know what? I'm guessing you and your kids and Anne, I bet all of you guys would love this. It, It is a lot of fun. It is funny at moments. Um, there are inside jokes that you would catch if you've seen other space movies and TV shows. But it definitely also has those soap opera elements that Chrissy's girlfriend wants. It has the affairs. It has the will they or won't they. It has subplots and storylines with the supporting characters, too. And, you know, what are the teens doing that are up to no good? What are the parents doing? You know, it's all of that stuff. So I think it's a really, really fun show. This is another show that my husband and I managed to watch, even though when he first said, let's watch the space show, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to watch a space show. Um, right. But then I had a good time because it, it's a comedy. It's got those soapy elements. It's got all the things that made both of us happy. So yeah, that's what I'm recommending. Oh, boy, that sounds really good. I'll check that out. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because I've only recently kind of discovered uh, Hulu uh, with Superstore. Oh, and, yes. Um, yeah, that's been that's been kind of recent uh, for me. So this is this is a good one to put on the list. Uh, the Orville. All right. So our recommendations are from Kristen, The Orville, and for me, an old classic, Forbidden Planet. Well, Rafer, I guess that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Well, you're just all sexed out, huh, Kristen? Nothing left, huh? Yeah, we just got too sexy. It's time to wrap it up. Give me a cigarette. (laughs) All right, please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. We are at rafer at kristen at gmail.com. 
And don't hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter as well if you like, at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And we said it before, we'll say it again, we love it when you give us five stars in Apple Podcast. Not like sweet checks with those three stars. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.